it is wonderful to be with you. Always a privilege to share, always a bit daunting, but um, I just believe that God wants to speak and wants to encourage us this morning. Um, and I am talking about raising up the next generation, which is exciting. And we've been in Acts, um, and I just want to say that it's really good to be with adults today because I've been in with my kids for the last couple of weeks. There was some exposure at my daughter's school, so we were home. So this whole thing of as soon as I agreed to preach on raising up the next generation, it's like, boom, you get three weeks at home with your kids. So there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've had lots of time with my little people, which is great. And for the most part, it's been really fun. Obviously, some moments that aren't so fun, but... Yeah, do you ever listen to your kids and you're like, you can hear yourself talking back to you or your spouse? <laughs> uh, we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old and um, Nicola, Paul was putting Nicola to bed the one night and he was doing something she wasn't a big fan of and all of a sudden she's like, that's not the deal, dad. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Um, and now she's got her hands on her hip, which I don't know where she gets that because I don't really talk with my hands on my hips, but maybe Aya. Aya, oh, <laughs> now I know. <laughs> uh, but she, she's like, where's your manner, mommy? You know, so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. You, I asked my five-year-old to do something. She's like, I'm not available right now. I'm like, okay, fine. I said it was polite. Anyway, some things are easier to listen to than others, right? Some things are like, oh, especially when they're angry, you're like, Oh, they sound just like me. Anyway, but that to say, we know that our kids are watching, they are listening, they are taking it all in, right? And um, we, actually all of us in this room, and those listening at home, we are raising up the next generation as we speak. And we can be intentional about it, or it kind of just happens. And that's the reality. But we are all active participants in the culture and the environment that we're in. Would you agree with me? So be it in our homes, um, which I've had lots of experience in lately, in our places of work, um, our places of study, right? Our circle of friends and our church family, right? Our local church body. We all help to set the tone. And there is this generation, another wave coming up behind us, alongside of us, that are influenced by our presence, by our decisions, by us. And that's like where I'm going this morning, as you can see. I want to encourage us that all of us have a part in raising up the next generation. And as you know, we've been in Acts, um, so it's a series we've been kind of on the early church, and in many ways, Acts is a blueprint for just a church that's on mission, right? Mike talked last week about this church birthed in power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's so much happening in Acts as you read along, right? There's um, God's using all sorts of different people, and the gospel is just exploding. Um, there's churches being planted. People are getting saved, Jews, Gentiles. You know, there's persecution that rises up. In Acts 6, we see that there's so much happening that they've set some deacons and leaders in place to kind of help facilitate some of the growth, um, and we just really see kind of the Great Commission getting fleshed out, right? And it's not, you know, when I was looking at this, it's not very linear in the sense of like, you know, first they preach the gospel and then they plant churches. And then once the churches are established, well, then we're going to raise up the next generation. It kind of was all happening in the coming and the going, right? Um, Paul, the apostles, they're going to different churches. They're traveling to different places and they're just bursting with life. 
And there's momentum, right? There's lots happening. And so looking at it, and I was starting to ask how, you know, how did they raise up the next generation amidst the coming and the going and, and the growth of the church and supernatural outpouring and persecution in the midst of all of this? How did they do this? How did they raise up the next generation? And we know that they were successful because we're here today, right? We, this gospel message that they preached in Acts, we hold to it today, and that message is still as good. The good news is still good today, that Jesus died, that he made a way, that he rose again. It's still good, and that, that he's made a way, that, that gospel message, it, it doesn't lose its power, and it's been passed on through generations, right? God has watched over his word, but it's his people that have carried it. I think it's so amazing that we're a part of something so much bigger than us. Um, and there's this biblical principle of passing on to the next generation what has been entrusted to us. And, you know, he's the God of generations. He gets to see from beginning to end. He sees continuity. He sees longevity. We see a moment, right? We see 2021. Bizarre. He sees it all. And his heart is that no generation is left behind, that no people are left behind. And we all have a mouth and a voice to tell of what God has done, to tell of his wonders um, and his goodness. In Psalm 78, uh, verses 4 and verses 6 to 8, it's, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. But in Psalm 78, it says, We will not hide the truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders, so the next generation might know them. And the children not yet born, they in turn will teach their own children. Verse 7, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, forgetting not his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I just love verse 7, that, that each generation set its hope anew we don't carry an old hope. There is a fresh hope. And I know it talks a lot about us telling our children these things. And I just want to say as we start that if you're a parent today, yes, this absolutely is for you. If you're teaching in 180, yes. If you're a youth leader, yes. But I also want to say that if we limit it to just parenting or being a youth leader, then as a body we will miss out on a lot of what God is wanting to encourage us in. Are you with me? So this principle of bringing up those around us, alongside us, I don't really like behind us because it makes it sound like it's worse, but it's, if you think of we're all on this journey, right? There's some ahead, there's some behind. So this principle of bringing those along with us, calling to the generation that's coming, it applies in so many areas of our lives. So yes, families, but work and training people, succession planning, right, job shadowing, um, in church life, leading a connect group. There's so many areas that this would apply in, and I'm just trusting that God's going to highlight in your life where it applies and where you can do this better, because I think we can all do this better. Um, because boiled down, it's about discipleship. And we know that Jesus... He was pretty big into discipleship, right? He spent a lot of time with people. He invested in people. And he brought them along on the journey with him. 
And, you know, most days I feel pretty young. Um, maybe not after the last three weeks, but yeah, I think I was thinking about this and like, you know, we're all, there's a spectrum here. We're all on a journey. There's some ahead, there's some behind to some. Um, I am probably, you know, I'm maybe further ahead, right? Like you would look at me and think I'm ancient. Like, especially when I think about how for a fun Friday night for me is like celebrating that the kitchen is clean and making a cup of tea then I feel really old, but, um, right, there's some that are further along on this journey, and there's some that I'm going to be the ones that's calling to them as the next generation to come, and I think it's this, it's this beautiful thing, because there's even people between me and my kids that are going to have a huge impact and voice in their lives, right, so we're all a part of this, I want to say it's the circle of life, but that can get a little weird, so we're all a part of this, and God paints the picture that the church is like a family, And he puts the lonely into family. So wherever we're at, all of us have a part to play in bringing up those around us and coming up behind us. And actually, God isn't looking for perfection before we get started on this, because I certainly wouldn't be the one that's up here. I mean, in many ways, we're just getting our feet wet with parenting, like our kids are two and five. There's many here seated that have walked long roads that would have much wisdom to share Um, So God isn't looking for us to have it all together before we start this. This is to start where you're at today on the journey, bringing people along with you. And so all of that said, um, I want to look in Acts at three things, three keys that I think are crucial to raising up the next generation well, and that they're things that all of us can do whatever season or stage that we're at. And the first one is this. It's simple, but it's pretty foundational, and that is to preach and teach the word. We need to preach and teach Jesus, the word, Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. In Acts, we actually can't really get through even one chapter without someone preaching, teaching, talking about Jesus and what he's done, or they're in jail because they've been talking about Jesus. And I would go through and give you references, but really it's like almost every chapter, right? Even in in Acts 2, like the birth of the church, you see Mike's preached on that last week, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then Peter preaches. It says that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Um, You know, we see after that in Acts 8, Philip goes out and he preaches the good news. In Acts 9, Paul boldly preaches in the name of Jesus. Um... And pretty much throughout the book, I could show you references. But these men and women in Acts, they taught the truth. They were unwavering in their proclamation of Jesus, of who he was, of what he did. They didn't preach man's wisdom. They didn't preach progressive truths or a culturally relevant gospel. They just preached the good news of Christ, crucified, raised to life. And I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like the world has gone a little crazy lately. Um, And I think it can be daunting sometimes to think of what the next generation faces. But I know this, they need to be able to stand on firm ground, on firm truth, and that is knowing Jesus. That is knowing his words. That is knowing his ways. Jesus, the rock of the ages. 
if we want to equip the next generation to walk into all that God has for them, it is not gonna be with the watered down version of the truth. We are to hold to the power of the gospel. And none of us is off the hook by saying, well, I'm not really a preacher, because we all have a voice to speak truth. And Jesus is ultimate truth. The gospel has always been counterculture, and that's not going to change. And maybe if you're newer in your faith and you're wrestling with questions, I would just encourage you to continue to work it out because it is counterculture, and there's times that it kind of seems different. But our kids, this next generation, they need to know. They need to know the word of God, the ways of God, the voice of God. This is firm ground that they can stand on. And I want to just clarify that this isn't the only way that we bring up the next generation. Because I was raised in church. (laughs) And there's a time and a place for preaching and teaching. You don't want to be preached at all the time. Anybody with me? (laughs) No. Um, yeah, it's not the only way. But if we don't do this, I'll say that we will fail miserably at the task if we don't set these foundations in place of teaching them the word and the ways of God. And, you know, Ivor preached a couple weeks back here. I don't know if you guys were there that Sunday, but he was preaching on miracles. He's up from a church in Victoria. And he was just talking about, you know, God doing miracles, they were in Africa, praying for the sick, people getting saved, and Paul and I were talking after. We just love the stories, right? The, the testimonies of what God has done. And I just wanna say that we need to hear these stories, and we need to hear these testimonies. And if you are among the wise and silver-haired among us, maybe you're a few steps ahead of, of myself, I wanna say that we need to hear from your lips what God has done. Some of you have walked with the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years, and you have seen him pour out his spirit on people. We need to hear those stories because they stir in us faith to see it again in our midst. And it's that it's very biblical of one generation declaring it to another. And I think our culture here in Canada doesn't do a great job of honoring kind of the older generation, honoring their wisdom, what you guys have to give. Um, And I think that the enemy would love to lie and just make you feel irrelevant. But he is just that. He is a liar. And the, the truth is, is that you are valuable, that you are needed, that you are loved, and we need you for such a time as this. We need you to help us hold fast to the gospel because you have seen him move. I know you have. You guys have stories of his faithfulness, and we need to hear from you. So I would encourage you, when God moves it on your heart to speak, we want to hear. We want to hear these stories from your lips. (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome. That's good. We need it. We need the fresh eyes and the energy of the youth, and we need the wisdom God has made us, um, as a family, there's such a richness in the generations, and we need to just, I think, remember it and glean from it. Um, 
The second key here that I want to just highlight as far as how we can raise up the next generation is, so the first one is teach the word. Second one is encourage them. Encourage this next generation. So the definition of encourage would just be giving someone, so the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. How many of you would agree that the next generation needs support, confidence, and hope? Yes. How many of you feel like you could use some support, confidence, and hope in 20, right? Okay. So we're not alone. And I want to show you in Acts that they did this a lot. This was a part of the culture of the church in this time. And they were facing some pretty crazy things in Acts. And there was a whole lot of encouragement going down. Um, So in Acts, I don't know how, like I have a bunch of scriptures. I'm not sure if they're going to put them up one by one. Um, But in Acts 11.23, you don't need to turn there because we'll go through them. But it pretty much says, so Barnabas, he sent to Antioch. And it says that he came and he saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, and he was glad. And he encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. In Acts 15, verse 32, Judas and Silas come, and it says that they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. In Acts 16, 40, Paul and Silas, they're released from prison, and it says that they go to Lydia's house, and they encourage them. And then they go on their way. It's amazing. We're just out of prison here. We're on bail. Yeah. Um, Acts 20, verse 2, it's talking about Paul here. It says that he traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people. So, and that's only a few that I picked out. If you read the book of Acts, all through it, they're just encouraging the brothers and sisters as they go, speaking encouragement. And when I looked at kind of the original language in a couple of these. There was kind of two that stood out and that were most common. And the first one, so the word for encouragement in Greek for this one was, and I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize because I don't speak Greek, Um, but it's parakelio. That's my best bet. But the para is from close up and beside. The kelio is to call. So translating it literally, it would almost be to make a call from being close up and personal. Which, and you look at that in the context of encouragement and exhorting someone, I just think it's amazing because the encouragement that scripture is referencing here, there actually has to be close relationship. To call from close beside, there has to be a proximity. And I think that this coming generation, maybe more than others, really values authenticity. They are crying out for the authentic, for the real. They don't want hypocrisy. They don't want, they want the real deal. And I think it challenges me in a good way because the Bible here, when it talks about encouragement, it's not talking about kind of pat answers or pats on the back, high fives, even flattery, right? Saying what people want to hear. This encouragement comes from being close enough to be real, to know what's going on, and then to speak into it. Um, Speaking hope and confidence in real life, that's powerful. When people are walking beside you and can still speak hope and support and confidence into what you're walking in because there's that relationship, 
I think that's powerful stuff. Um, the other word for encouragement in Acts that some of the scriptures have is, um, again, I apologize for my Greek here, but the protrope, um, which would mean to turn forward or urge forward, which I think also is such a cool picture because it's like this pushing them forward, urging them on, this beautiful picture of urging on the next generation, propelling them into what they have as you encourage them, as we exhort them, as we support them. And I think it's easy to find fault in others that are different, right? It's easy to see the weaknesses in a generation that's different from your own. It's always easier to see weaknesses in others than maybe in ourselves. But we get an opportunity to see the good, right? To see the gold, to see the hope of what God is doing. So let's be found encouraging them, exhorting them, and calling them forward, urging them on. I love that picture. We're close enough that we can call, right, that close relationship, that proximity, and then urging them on of that encouragement. I just think that's a beautiful picture of what part of what God wants us to do and to be. And we get the privilege and the joy to be that voice, not only for our kids, but for the people that we are bringing along to speak life from close, to urge them on. We can do this. And I know for myself, as I was reflecting on this, I, I have reaped the benefit of this hugely in my own life. I've been active in the church um, from a young age, and I think in both of these senses, that they're close enough to speak encouragement and that propelling me onwards. I think at every stage, I've had people loving on me and speaking encouragement, and from a young age, people calling things out in me, saying, you have a servant's heart. Like, pursue God first. He'll take care of the desires of your heart. Um, people just loving on me and encouraging me. And I don't think I would be where I am today was it not for those key people over time. You know, we don't necessarily know the impact of our words. Um, but if we're being led by the Spirit to speak life and speak encouragement, God sees the big picture, right? And He is working. We're, we are his workmanship. He's working on all of us. He's doing a work in us. We just need to be faithful to speak when we feel it put on our hearts. And I love that all of us can do this. We don't need to wait until we've arrived. We can start bringing encouragement wherever we are. And, you know, people took the time to bring me along and invest in my life. And I am so thankful. So thankful. And there's a guy in Acts that actually does this really well. Um, and his name actually means son of encouragement. It's Barnabas. Um, and in Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 26 to 28, um, so kind of Paul has um, just had his conversion on the road to Damascus here. So he's just gotten saved. So a big 180 in the life of Saul that we know as Paul. And so in verse 26, it says that he's... Yeah. He's come to Jerusalem, and he's kind of attempting to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him with good reason, right? He was literally murdering Christians. Like They were, had good reason to be afraid, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. But in verse 27, it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he'd preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them, 
at Jerusalem. And there's this really key moment because Paul's, I mean, Barnabas takes Paul. And in that, there's like this acceptance and like a validity of like, okay, we believe him. He's not trying to hurt us. But it brings unity to what God is doing in the early church. And that's actually really key because momentum could have been staggered a lot if there was this mistrust of what was going on in the life of Saul. But Barnabas goes and he takes him and he brings him to the disciples. And we see Barnabas does this a few times in Acts. Um, A couple chapters later in Acts 11, verses 25, it says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church, they taught many people, and that's where the disciples were first called Christians, right? In Acts 12, we see Barnabas and Saul are kind of working together again, and it says that they returned from Jerusalem. This is verse 25. When they had completed their service, bringing with them John. And the last key that I want to highlight for raising up the next generation is something that we see Barnabas doing, and he sets a pattern. There's others that do it in the books of Acts. We see it as a pattern here, but it's simple. It's just to bring them along with you. If we're going to raise up the next generation, we need to bring them along. And it's bringing people, so come with me as I teach, come with me as I preach, come with me as I serve, as I travel, as uh, I equip. Come with me, come let them do life with you. And like I said, it's a pattern that we see. It's not just Barnabas, but Paul does this and others in the book of Acts. And in Acts 16, we see that... um, You know, Paul comes to an area and he wants Timothy to accompany him. And it says that he took him, right, circumcised him, and then he brings him along on his journey with him. And they travel together for quite some time. And we know that Paul considers Timothy a son in many ways. And we have letters of Paul writing to Timothy, right, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And those letters are him encouraging him, speaking truth to him, urging him to stay the course, But he doesn't just do that. He actually physically brings him along with him, right? He takes Timothy along his travels. And, you know, Jesus did this, right? What was Jesus's invitation to the disciples? Come and follow me. Come with me. He brought them along. He ate with them. He drank with them. He traveled with them. He fished with them. He did miracles. He slept, right? All of the normal everyday things, he took the time and he invested in these men and he brought them along with him. And so my question for us today is who are you bringing along with you? Because this is a big part of bringing up the next generation. You know, it's about bringing people close and bringing them on the journey with you. So it's having people in your home. It's inviting them to do a project with you. It's Having them come be with your kids and hang out with your family. It's having them set up an event with you, serve the homeless with you. Whatever it is that you're walking with, that you're leading, it's bringing people along to do it with you. Are you guys with me? (laughs) Still? (laughs) You got quiet. Um, Because this is how we're going to be able to do that encouragement that's from close up, right? Right? And this is where it's not just about preaching and teaching, because it's actually us walking it out. We can't just talk the talk. We've got to walk it out. We've got to live it out. And bringing people in is where you see that, and you learn, and you are just a part of 
of life. God created us to do life in community. And this is so much of how we learn and how we grow is by kind of rubbing off on each other in a good way. <laughs> um, and I don't think, you know, we don't need to label it or get weird about it. The reality is, is we need spiritual mothers and fathers in the house, right? God has made us a family. He's put the lonely into family, which means we all have a part to play. But we, I don't want us to get weird about it or label it. We just need to be intentional. Because if we don't, life is just going to continue on as it does. And our good intentions are going to fall flat, so as they often do. So we need to be intentional on this because people are worth investing in. And maybe, you know, they aren't the obvious choice, but maybe God is highlighting them in your life. And I'm trusting that even as I'm sharing this morning, that maybe people are coming to mind and God's highlighting people that are in your sphere, that are around you, that are maybe in a season that you've just walked through that you can bring along with you. And I think there is a difference between bringing people along and dragging them along. Um, I think, yeah, we, we know as, like I said, I grew up in the church, and it feels very different as parents when you're bringing your kids and including your kids and you're dragging your kids along. Um, my parents are, are wonderful, and they, yeah, they, when we were getting ready to move to Brazil, um, I was about 14 years old, and my parents really felt that God had something for them there. So they were getting ready to sell everything and move my sister and I at that time. My sister was eight. I was 14. And um, they were getting ready to move us. And, you know, one thing that they did really well, and they're not perfect either, but they did this really, really well, is they included us on this journey. They were, I remember they were driving it was in California at the time that we lived, and they would be driving to the embassy, which was like an hour and a half each way in traffic, and they kept knocking on the door. Visas kept getting denied, but they believed that God had something for our family in Brazil. And they made it so clear that it wasn't just something for them, but it was something for me and something for my sister, Jill, that was eight. And I remember them saying, if God has something for us, God has something for you there. So that's why we're going, because it's for us as a family. And I went, moved to Brazil at 14 with that conviction in my heart. So when we had to learn a new language and all these things, I, I remember telling God, God, you moved me here, so you help me learn this language. There was a conviction in me because they had taken the time to include me and bring me along, not dragged me along. There were other moments that we were dragged, and that's okay. But as parents, I want to encourage you, if you're actively serving and you feel like you're dragging your kids along with you, take the time and be intentional and include them. Envision them. Make them understand why. Talk through how God has something for them in this. We don't just do church as a family because that's what we do. It's because God has something for them. God has something for all of us. Um, and I could go on, but I'll, I'll stop there um, with that. You know, I think another place that we do this is with connect groups. You know, we get to do life together, and we get to bring people along with us, and we get to see kind of the real nitty-gritty week in and week out. We get to see the weeks that we're tired and hangry and 
you know, like it's, it's real life, but it's so good. This is a big part of where we can bring people along in close and speak that encouragement, speak truth. So I would encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, we'd love to help get you connected into one. And before I close here, I think there's a flip side to this. So not only are we bringing people along, but the flip side is, who is bringing us along? Because we don't graduate from this, right? We don't necessarily just reach a point where we've made it. We're all growing. We're all maturing. So who are we letting give input into our lives? Who are we letting bring us along? I know we have a lot to learn. (laughs) We have a lot to learn still. And we can do that from letting others speak into our lives to being accountable um, and some of this you learn just by watching, getting close. It's having those friendships and relationships with people that are in a different season than you. You know, over the years, Paul and I, we watch and we say, you know, we like, we like some of how they parent. Or it's really cool to see how they minister together as a team and they really speak well of each other as a couple. Like, these are things that we desire. So, you know, you can actually press into those people where you see fruit that that's what you want. You can even be bold enough to say, hey, can you bring me along? The worst they can say is no. (laughs) And in Canada, they probably won't even say no. They'll probably just be like, yeah, and then they'll never follow through. (laughs) I'll pray about it, yeah. But this is, right, it's, it's all of us. It's We don't graduate from this. So we are bringing along as we go, and we are being brought along. We're being humble, flexible, teachable, like Mike always says, letting others give input into our life. We will be all the better and richer for it. Because church, God is taking us somewhere. As a church, he's bringing us as a body, as his bride that he loves, that he's coming back for. His bride without spot, remish, or wrinkle. He is bringing us there, right? He's bringing us into maturity, and he's called us as a body together, right? We need each other. Um, We need those established in their faith, whether it's maturity or age or influence, and we need those that are fresh, those new salvations. We need need it all, because all of us have a part in bringing up the next generation, and we do this that we looked at today by teaching the word, by encouraging them, and by bringing them along with us. And I would say that one of the greatest joys that Paul and I have, if we're honest, of serving in a local church is to see people grow and flourish as we get to walk alongside them. We know that God brings the growth. We just get to speak life and encourage as it happens and walk close. And it is an absolute joy. Everett, uh, Everett Koop said this, it says, life affords no greater responsibility and no greater privilege than the raising of the next generation. And I think there's a weight to this. It's sobering, absolutely. But there is a privilege here as well. There is a joy to be able to be a part of what God is doing in his church, to be able to invest and to propel this next generation into what God has for them. So I'd love, Andre, if you would maybe come play for us. Um, And I just want to take some time. We're not going to go back into worship this morning. There's so much that I could say on this, but I had to (laughs) rein it in, so we're not here all day.
But I really trust that the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you guys and highlighting people, even in your lives, that you can be doing this with, that you can be bringing along or that can either speak into your life. So as Andre plays, I'm actually just going to give us some time and I want you to reflect and think about who is it that you're bringing along with you? And it can be in different areas of your life. Um, and if there's not people that come to mind, then start to pray and just ask God, who, who is it in this season? There are some seasons in this. It's not like a lifelong thing. Now you're with me for life. There are seasons in this. And if we are a spirit-led people, then let's trust the spirit to lead us of who to pour into, who to invest in, who to bring along with us on this season. So as Henri just plays for us, um, I want to just give us some time, just a couple minutes, enough to get a little awkward. And then I'm going to pray for us and we'll close. So just take the time. Ask God, think, Lord, who is it that you want me to bring along in this season? Who is around me? just thinking as we were, Katie was reading out of Psalm 78. So I think sometimes we can sit here and feel like no one's coming to mind, (laughs) you know, or man, how did I, how have I not done this? Or what's the first step? Or, you know, and we can start to try and make a list in our head of what we're supposed to do and how all these things. And, And I was just reading 
in Psalm 78, it's like, it just keeps going how God performed amazing miracles. God did amazing things. The people failed and then God was merciful and then God did amazing things and then the people failed and then God was merciful again. And I think the amazing thing is that every single one of us is on the same journey. If you're a, a, a man or a woman, is that first and foremost, you are a son and a daughter of the King. And your journey and my journey is that God is raising each and every one of us as a son and a daughter to become a father and a mother alongside brothers and sisters. And it's a, it's a weighty thing because it's, it's the journey of realizing that it's not about me. But the amazing thing is that it, even when we feel like our selfishness can be highlighted in our lives, God reminds us that he is merciful and he is a good father. I don't know about you, but there's so many moments for me where I'm like, like the Bible says, like fathers don't exasperate your children. Like it's so easy. Like I've, you know, we have three kids. It's so all so different, but our little girl, Mika, I can just want to exasperate her in a certain way. Sometimes you're frustrated. You're this, you're that. You know, parents, the, the temptation to feel like your kids are holding you back from what God has for you. Remember, Andy shared that once. But I think what Katie is sharing is sobering because it's reminding us that this, there's not this big line between secular and sacred. But actually, it's fluid. And what God has called us to as his people is not that we just have good meetings but good meetings are awesome. But it's that the reality of Jesus in our lives happens just as much behind closed doors as it does in meetings. Right? So, Katie, won't you pray for us? Hey? God, I just thank you that you are the God of generations and that this is part of how you designed your church, Lord, as just this piece of all of us, wherever we're at, bringing one another along. And God, I just thank you that you, your word says that you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Lord, you have given us everything that we need to do this well, to be a part of raising up the next generation. I just thank you, Lord, that you don't lead us where you're not willing to go, God. Even in this, as it can seem sobering and weighty, Lord, that you go before us, that you have a way, that you are going to be with us every step of the way. Lord, I just thank you for the next generation. Lord, I thank you for the children and the young people and the people coming up. Lord, this wave that is unique. Lord, you have such a specific, even anointing on them for this time, for this place. We are so thankful, Lord, for them. Lord, we just pray your protection over them. 
that they would be set apart, Lord, to stand firm for you, to be voices of truth, to be light in dark places. Lord, we just thank you for them. And Lord, we just say, use us. We're available. Use us to help bring them through and equip them God, I just ask that we would be sensitive to your spirit as you're leading in this of people to bring close or people to, for us to open our lives, for people to give input into, Lord. We just, that we would be sensitive to your spirit even when it's uncomfortable, Lord, that we would be obedient and follow through. We just thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you for your bride love your body broken as it is we just thank you that you are faithful to every generation that you are a faithful God that you are faithful to your word that you are faithful to your ways we are so amazed that we get to be a part of it Lord and I just pray that today as people leave that they would leave in faith that they would leave in hope Lord, that you go before us in this, and we thank you, and we worship you as we go, Lord.